Vision, the International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Relax while we lovingly drizzle weird and wonderful science into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, we'll feature the internet censorship protests, pot in a plot, virtual relationships and coral reefs in danger. But first up, here's the news with Calvin Ng. A report presented at the United Nations Conference on Global Warming in Poland says a fifth of the world's coral reefs have died and more will follow if we don't reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The report by the International Union for Conservation of Nature also blamed overfishing, coral disease outbreaks and the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami for the loss of the corals. But the report also found that the 45% of the world's reefs were healthy and some were even learning to cope with some climate change. The union warned, however, that not all reefs would adapt, and mass coral bleaching could reoccur as a result of climate change. The Great Barrier Reef in Queensland is the largest coral reef system in the world, stretching over 2,600 kilometres. It is estimated that tourism to the area generates over 5 billion Australian dollars annually. French researchers say humans may soon be able to develop long-term relationships with virtual humans that are capable of reading and adapting to our emotions. Researchers from the Paris Institute of Technology are developing virtual humans, called embodied conversational agents, who can speak, use facial expressions, head movements, gestures and gaze. In one project, the researchers are collecting data to develop four agents with different personalities. It is hoped that the agents would be useful in teaching and medical programs and as virtual assistants in information kiosks. And finally this week, there was pot in a plot. A kilogram of the world's oldest marijuana stash was found in a 2,700-year-old grave in the Gobi Desert in China. Chemical and genetic analysis on the marijuana found that it could produce THC, the main psychoactive chemical in the plant. Researchers say the marijuana is quite similar to what's been grown today. But before you go and book a trip to China to go on a trip, the stash is now housed in a museum. The researchers say the discovery cast doubts on the theory that hemp was only grown to make clothing, rope and other objects. went to the No Clean Feed anti-censorship protest rally this weekend. Uh, I'm Sam and I'm part of the Digital Liberty Coalition and I've set up a lot of the content on the wiki for the Electronic Freedom Project. I'm here today at the uh, 13 December protests against Conroy's internet filter. And I think probably the most significant thing I'd have to say about this filter is that it's a combination of poorly thought out technology combined with poorly thought out policy so it would have to be the perfect example of the combination of fundamentally bad science and fundamentally bad policy 
which you often find when um, governments fail to take appropriate advice. I think in this case the bad science particularly comes from the series of corporate American Christian filter companies which have been attempting to sell Australia on a variety of filters for a variety of years. Electronic Frontiers Australia first fought against this in the mid-90s and governments have been returning to it like a dog to its own vomit because the combination of a media which is fundamentally unregulated and difficult to regulate combined with the boost that they'll get in the very right-wing segment of the Australian electorate who are religiously motivated is such a motivator for governments of all stripes that whoever is in government will be pushing this. And aren't they actually trying to put a greater restriction on the internet than what they have for TV, for example? Because they want to ban what, portrayals of illegal acts, whereas you're allowed to show crime on TV. The issue is to do with the government's conception of fiction. So, for instance, television is viewed as fiction and it is um, more than acceptable to murder somebody fictionally in our media. However, when it comes to the internet, the government's attitude is that these fictional events are considered to be instruction in crime. So, at the moment, it would be illegal to, say, Burke's backyard back when it was on. If Burke sat down, or Gardening Australia, if they sat down and said, now here's the mulch you really want to use for your grass plants to get great hair, that would of course be illegal. I think the general issue isn't media specific law here, but is a combination of universal selective enforcement. So for instance, in Queensland a man has been arrested for swinging his baby under child pornography charges. It's not swinging his baby, for displaying a circus acrobat child being swung. Well, he didn't even do that. Didn't he just link to the YouTube clip? Indeed. And the national video press, the major channels, have shown portions of this clip. So this week, television has shown child pornography on the news. But in relation to the internet, a similar portrayal of an act, and we're just talking about the equivalent of the um, crocodile hunter shaking his baby in the direction of a crocodile. Um, this is under the Acts in Australia, child sexual abuse. These equivalent acts in the internet are considered prohibited material. And when television displays exactly the same video footage, is considered to be fine. Do you think that might be because the networks have big pockets for big lawyers and individuals don't? Definitely. The concept of selective or discriminatory prosecution I think is central here to the role of the media because Channel 10 has very, very large pockets to fight a defamation case or a display of illegal material case, whereas individuals on the internet don't. There's a fundamental power disparity in terms of the way prosecutions occur on the internet particularly in relation to defamation. So in Australia, we have some of the worst censorship laws in the world because of our defamation law. If I were to say anything about anybody on the internet and they were displeased by it, whether it was true or not, whether it was a compliment or not, um, I could be sued for defamation. Whether they were a natural human being or not, I could be sued for defamation. So corporate entities have been using defamation law to privately enforce censorship over political issues in Australia for quite some time. 
the people bearing the brunt of this have been the environment. But the combination of the Conroy filter and unaccountable blacklists combined with the fact that defamation is illegal means that the Conroy blacklist can censor any website at any time based on a corporate complaint. Aren't they also using the blacklist that's used in Britain? They've been talking about using the British blacklist and Conroy's stance is that he wants to directly feed off that blacklist. But as we've just seen this week in the case of Wikipedia, articles which are for legitimate academic purpose using material have been banned on Wikipedia for British residents. And it gets worse. The way the British filter is implemented means that every single person in Britain trying to access Wikipedia has been going through the one computer identity, the one IP address, which means that when Wikipedia banned the IP addresses which regularly create spam so they could block somebody for a few hours of editing, because the British filter has channeled everybody in Britain through the one internet address, Britain effectively banned Wikipedia by blocking a single article. So why won't anybody think of the children who can't access Wikipedia? <laughs> well, the, the children issue, I think, is central here. Both political parties like to support children, but at the same time, both political parties have got a concept of adult responsibility, and they're caught in a trap between the religious ideals of a very small portion of the Australian electorate and um, the fact that their technical solutions will block children from accessing educational material. Uh, the key case here is um, TAFE. Most TAFE students are adults. TAFE students are on an extremely restrictive internet filter in New South Wales and it has stopped them from being able to conduct coursework activities. So I think that the key issues here are the selective enforcement of censorship, the fact that Australia has one of the worst censorship regimes in the world, but that it has only been selectively enforced. So any number of things I would want to say here today would be technically illegal to say. And the way in which Conroy is talking about the filter is if it is illegal, and it can be blocked, it will be blocked. And in Australia, most forms of speech at the moment are illegal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Hello. It's me again. I'm Dave the Happy Singer. It's really, really good to see so many of you people out here. Uh, oh, okay, this is a request. This is, uh... Rick Astley. This is from a computer game called Portal. Written by a, a gentleman called Jonathan Coulton, a bit of an internet superstar. Sing along if you know the words. <laughs> this was a triumph. I'm making a note here. Huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Aperture science. We do what we must because we can For the good of all of us Except the ones who are dead But there's no point crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of cake And the science gets done And you make a big gun For the people who are still alive
Australian Sex Party. Terrific. I'm here at the, at the rally, which is opposed to the internet filter. I'm here, I guess, representing a lot of the people who access sexual material and a lot of the businesses that, that provide that material. Currently, what a lot of people don't realise is that this, this filter and the level of filter is taking Australian censorship back 30 years. What's currently legal in a newsagent to be sold to an adult will be blacklisted under the proposed filter scheme. So they talk about 10,000 sites blacklisted. Let's talk about more like 10 million if you're talking about non-violent erotica, and that's what we're talking about blacklisting. So we're here to protest that. So why do you think the government's so against sex being portrayed on the internet? Look, I think sex is just a really useful scapegoat because it's something that people don't feel really happy to talk about. So it's a really easy for one for people to sort of mumble aside. I think that's, that's one of the main reasons. It's also, they're, they're under a lot of pressure from a lot of different groups and um, certainly I think Senator Fielding is wielding considerable power and the Australian Christian lobby behind him and, and sex is one of their bêtoises and that's sort of, they see that a lot of evil comes out of the sex industry and it's a great one to rally against. What do you think of the Supreme Court ruling in New South Wales that Simpsons cartoons erotica constitutes child pornography. This was just so ludicrous. And again, if you imagine seeing that as a, you know, van, as a as a poster on the side of the wall, you would think poor humor, but you would never talk about calling it child porn. The fact it was on the internet all of a sudden makes it some, somehow more evil. And it's, I, I've, been, I've been very embarrassed with my overseas colleagues, you know, trying to... Well, there's no way of justifying it, but it's been, it's been really embarrassing. And, and it also weakens the argument. If you call that child pornography and you equate it the same to an eight-year-old being ch- sexually abused, you know, 
I think that sends a very difficult message to the community. Look, I think when you look at the hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on on this filter project, I, I believe that there's plenty of better ways that we could do to protect children from bullying online, from stalkers online, from you know inappropriate material online, while still allowing access, free and open access to adults. Thank you very much. So you were talking about The Simpsons. Did you see The Simpsons movie? I missed The Simpsons movie. I should get it. Because um, there's a scene in there where Bart is skateboarding through Springfield naked uh, as part of a dare from Homer. Okay, He was uh, skating naked through Springfield and for a couple of minutes uh, you have fingers and plant leaves, everything placed strategically to hide his penis. Then towards the end of his skates he was skating just behind a hedge at first you only see his head and then there was a little space at the bottom of the hedge and you don't see his, his head anymore but you see the penis. So as this man has been convicted over cartoons based on The Simpsons in which the children are shown having sex, does that mean that The Simpsons movie, since it show the penis, does that mean that that could also be classified as child pornography? Well, considering that merely having a naked child constitutes as sexual abuse of children. We saw the Prime Minister commenting on the Bill Henson photo. Even if there's no sexual context whatsoever, the mere fact that a child is naked is enough for the government to think that it's sexual because they've got dirty minds. Then surely the cartoon depiction of a naked child, in this case Bart's penis is even shown for a fraction of a second, would constitute child pornography. Therefore, the theatre that showed it should be convicted of child pornography. All the people who bought tickets should be convicted of child pornography, and anyone who downloads it from the internet and watches it should be convicted of child pornography. It'll all be banned. You know, what, what would happen with, say, classical statues of, of children, classical statues of um, you know, naked, naked men and women and children? Not anymore. It's all child porn. If they're naked, they're no good. So I'm here talking to Dave the Happy Singer and... Internet activists with the liberty coalition. Got to get that in. I'm from the internet. Yes. DaveTheHappySinger.com. So, Dave, why is this important? Uh, it's important to my mind because the government hasn't made a case for this. It's not popular with the public. It's utterly impractical to, to implement. Even if they could implement it perfectly, they wouldn't. You know, it would fail. And there's also a risk involved in distributing a list of every child porn site in the world around the country. What, you mean making a list of... They're making a list of and child porn sites. Making, and checking it twice, they're, they're finding out who's been naughty. And that's got to go around the ISPs, and that kind of information only needs to get leaked once, and you've got to roadmap to all the nasty stuff on the internet. So, I, I, you know. It's the filter will have the website, and if it's commercially owned and operated, then the list will also be commercially owned and operated. So they will be responsible for publishing child pornography sites? If, if this or is just leaked. keeping a list of where they have found questionable content. Well, the filters can't work unless they've got the list. Absolutely. It's not, a, it's not a word filter. It's not an image filter that takes a particular phrase and looks for that. It's a blacklist where they find a particular site and decide on behalf of the Australian people that you are not permitted to view the material on this website. The government's also been very unclear on uh, how it defines this other unwanted content. Now, is all adult pornography going to be blocked? Um, uh, the, I've heard speculation that real-life violence would be blocked, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the news in many cases, um, and, and uh, that should definitely not be blocked. Um, 
Uh, so do you think they're treating the internet differently than they treat other media? I think that uh, in answer to that question, I'll say that, that moral panics are really easy to start. And I think that moral panics about the internet are particularly easy to start. Most people who, um, mo a lot of people, one of the things that Dave said, which I, I, I didn't quite agree with, was that most people in Australia, the public, don't want it. I would actually disagree. I'm not, I don't have any particular statistics on this, but the way the government is phrasing the debate is essentially saying that what we are doing is that we, our position is anti-child pornography. So if the government stands up to a generally uninformed public about how the internet operates and how child pornography is circulated, uh, and says, we're anti-child pornography, and this is what we're going to do to fix it, most people will just go, okay, because they don't know the particulars. And I think that that's something that uh, those who are fighting the internet are trying to do, which is to say there are so many other alternatives and so many other approaches. We do not disagree with the goals, the stated goals of the project, which is to prevent children from accessing in, uh, material that, well, at least uh, help children from not being able to access material or, say, uh, preventing child pornography from being spread. But child pornography is already spread over the internet. There isn't a site www.childporn.com no, that the government can go, well, no. even if there was, whoever owned that site would immediately be arrested. They operate through means that already go around all security measures and going around the police. So another filter doesn't actually target the group of the stated goals. What it does target is the middle 80% of Australians who might want to view, say, a particular type of pornography or a particular type of content that the government decides is questionable. That is what it's targeted at. It's targeted at mainstream Australians trying to curtail your freedom to the internet. There was um, a child pornography ring that was successfully busted just this week uh, using traditional police methods that had been functioning totally over peer-to-peer uh, -peer connections, not on the web itself, and this filter would only be stopping the web. The bad guys, unless they're exceedingly dumb, know how to use the technology, they know how to get around it. Because of the, the nature of, uh, of their crimes, they are extremely tech-savvy. This filter is, is really not going to make a, a blind bit of difference. Can, in... I just, can I just mention something that might be a little bit more relevant to a lot of the listeners out here? Apparently only 30% of Australians consume pornography on a regular basis. And some of the questionable content that the government might want to block might not be the kind of stuff that you will look into on a regular basis. So perhaps this is a bit of a null issue. But let me go through some of the things that this filter will do that will impact you in your everyday life. First of all, your internet will slow down by somewhere between 50 and 87%. 87% is the current estimate from IINet, which is one of Australia's biggest ISPs. And the basic reason for that is, you as a user connect to the internet. The government is attempting to insert a filter in between your connection to the internet, in, in simple terms, I guess. And that connection is going to slow the information flowing between you and the internet. So not only will your internet slow down, and believe it or not, our internet is a hell of a lot slower than the rest of the developed world, but not only that, but by inserting this third person, in uh, this middle man in between your negotiations with the internet, it is going to make it a lot easier for hackers to get your details. So whilst the government won't be blocking anything to do with your internet banking or your e-commerce or anything like that, that third man will still be present watching what you do. Now, if a hacker can hack into that, which is a lot easier to hack into, they're running what's called red hat boxes, which are fairly easy to compromise in terms of security. 
rather than just having the banks, which have spent billions of dollars on their internet security, as the people who are making sure that your information is safe, now you have to trust that the government, with these poor machines, is going to be not screwing up and essentially letting that information that you send through the internet be caught by fishers and hackers all over the world. So the passwords that you enter, your banking details that you enter, all of that's going to get caught up by this filter and someone will be able to find out this information. An ISP level, level filter not only infringes upon our freedoms, which is why a lot of people were protesting today, but it does infringe upon your security. So even if you have no desire whatsoever to ever look at any questionable content on the internet, you are still going to be affected by this system. And that is why we need to tell Senator Cameron no to this plan. This is going to be a continuing issue because politicians are that stupid. Nationwide protests, politicians are that stupid. Opposition by every major stakeholding group in this, politicians are that stupid. Technically impossible, politicians aren't that stupid. That crazy decision about The Simpsons. Now, if we'd seen that on a wall or on one of these posters, Bart Simpson having sex or doing the doggy with someone, you know, we would have laughed. But because it was on a computer, it was child pornography. You know, because it was on a hard drive, somehow that made it incredibly illegal. When I heard it, I did, you know, Bart Simpson sex search on YouTube. And believe me, there's quite a few images of Bart Simpson having sex on YouTube. So, of course, that could mean that YouTube would be blacklisted. You couldn't think of a dumber way to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. I'd love to see that money being spent prosecuting people who abuse children. And that's all from us in this edition of Diffusion. If you'd like to contact us, if you have feedback, comments, suggestions, or wild, passionate praise, if you'd like to contribute to Diffusion and hear your own voice passionately communicating science on radio, then send email to diffusion at 2SCR.com. That's diffusion at 2SCR.com. Or subscribe to our podcast on our website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. Or look for us on Facebook and look for us on iTunes. Contributing to the program was Kelvin Ng. I produced Diffusion in the studios of 2SCR Sydney, and Diffusion is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. You know the rules, so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie. Hurt you. We've known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Inside we both know what's been going on. We know the game we're going to play it. And if you ask me how I'm feeling, I gotta make you understand. Never gonna lose you up, never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry, never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie. Never gonna let you down Never gonna run around and desert you Never gonna make you 